You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Excellent. And we're live with episode 102 of Push the Point, presented by Mash Those Buttons, your source for Overwatch League news, player updates, storylines, and more for season four of the Overwatch League. Follow us on Twitter at pushpointpod. Leave us an email at pushthepoint at gmail.com. Leave us a review on your podcasting platform. I'm your host, Ramses. That's Lebosco over there. And we are feeling pretty good after the May Melee. <laughs> I was like, I'm not feeling good after the games we just played, but yeah, no, 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 the no, no, main no. melee, I'm definitely very feeling very good. I mean, if you're watching the stream right now, I, you can even see I'm wearing my uh, my fuel T-shirt today that I bought a like a year and a half ago or two years. I don't remember when I bought about a long time ago, but I'm feeling really good after the main melee in particular. And, and just I guess overall, uh, it, it, they were some really, really good games. For sure. It has been. It's been a pretty busy week of Overwatch aside from the May Melee. We'll get to our big news story in a bit. But as always, if you want to hang out with us in Discord, find us at discord.me slash mash those buttons. We just had game night this last Saturday. It was pretty fun. We're going to be having another one next month. We'll give you details for that. And Labosco, I think just overall, I just want to say from top to bottom, the May Melee may have been the most fun I've had with Overwatch, I think, since. I think since grand finals this last year, like the whole production was super, super fun. Yeah, it was. Um, it was th- I, I never have any problems with the production in particular. I do think wish there were some things that they did like a little bit more on the fluff side of things or or um, I guess you could say on the like production piece standpoint, like I wish they did a little bit more. But aside from that, I think that what the league does is is a bunch of great stuff or just different stuff as far as the the, the production pieces. but. Yeah, I I um I always enjoy when it's playoff times when the tournaments come around. I thought they did a good job with the tournaments last year, especially when you consider the situation of everything, right? Because of the pandemic. So this year mm-hmm. with with the teams going to Hawaii from the US, that was kind of cool and they they kind of made it a fun little production. So no like super breaking technical difficulties either, which was nice. The only one we have is that I think we lost there was some fuzziness, um, I think, with Bren and Sideshow for casting, I think, Fuel versus Dragons the first time. And then it was, there was that, there was a part where um, the broadcast desynced from the game and they made the decision, like, you know what, like, we're just going to let the game keep going instead of stopping everything and we'll sync back up when the game's over. Uh, really, really smooth, all things considered, since they had to, like, what, they had to port an internet connection across the ocean. Yeah, I I wonder. I mean, I get why you go to Hawaii as far as distance from where the rest of the teams are in South Korea. It's the closest place in the U.S. that you can go. So I guess that makes sense. I I don't know what, what like sort of ping that they were ended that they end up playing on when they do that though. Like that's something I I can't attest to. I don't know if they there were reports about how the internet connection was or or how um how good of a connection it was between the teams as a result but it 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 worked like we we had games and they seemed to be really good it didn't seem like there was ping issues there mm. there didn't seem to be anything where it's like okay this team seems to have some sort of advantage because of ping for sure we're going to get into um some news stories 
Well, I think we should probably do our big news story first, and then we'll go into the highlight games after, considering like all the highlight games kind of feed, all the games kind of feed directly into each other with May Melee. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you follow Overwatch this week, uh, there's actually two stories. First one, um, Neptuno announced that he was mutually parting ways with the Paris Eternal. Um, kind of came as a little bit of a shock um, a couple days ago, May 6th. Nobody was really expecting this kind of announcement. Uh, yeah. For everything considered, like Paris Eternal has looked decent so far. They haven't looked incredible, but they've hung in there. And Neptuno certainly looked all right. Um, I think it's a little bit of high praise for them, but Neptuno was like not the problem, right? Mm-hmm. He's looked all right, um, but he released a statement during the week that he uh, he and the team would be parting ways, that he uh, is going to be moving on to other things. I wonder if that means transitioning games or something like that for Neptuno. Um, he's a talented guy, so I'm sure there's plenty of options for him. I don't know what route he's going to go, but it is unfortunate to see because Neptuno is a guy who's been around for a while and been a pretty good guy as far as his ability when playing the game a pretty good flex support and, and just um, somebody that people are familiar with in this league. Mm-hmm. He said that uh, he hasn't been playing up to his standards first. Um, he has found himself enjoying coaching when he's inside the team. And it seems like it would be a natural transition for him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more considering people, I think want to put the whole argument of like, Oh, another long time guy gone from overwatch, overwatch bad. But I wonder if this is just a thing of, you look at his situation specifically, he even mentions it in the past four years. He's lived in America, China, Korea, and Spain gone back and forth, back and forth. You remember all the visa issues he had last year. Like the guy has had a pretty tough go of it as far as trying to find stability. Very tumultuous, very tumultuous. tumultuous. Yeah. I, I, I almost said it wrong. Tumultuous career. Um, as far as like the travel and everything that he's had to do, it's a lot. It's a lot to move around like that. Not just that. I don't think people realize that there's a massive culture shock going from like a culture in America or Europe to the opposite. And then also to go to like Korea or China or anywhere else. Like there, there is massive differences in how the cultures are in all three of those regions. So it's a lot to adjust two for a person the fact that he's done that three times he's 29 he's not a young guy either he's an older professional as far as esports is concerned too so Mm -hmm. i can understand maybe wanting a little bit more stability and coaching can give you that although coaching can be just as tumultuous as being a player like you can have the you know the ups and the downs the the constant traveling and all that like that's that's a large part of coaching too so Maybe it's maybe he just finds himself enjoying that role more. And that's the biggest reason why, because like the other things that come with the coaching are not much different from from what you have when you're not coaching. There's there's usually uh, just as little stability unless you're you're on an, an incredible staff or something that that's going to be in the same place for a long time. And then even then, well, like once you move up, like you can still ha- end up moving and doing all that. Well, and he's been around games for a while. Like he, I don't know what he played before Overwatch, but he also played competitively in games before Overwatch too. Yeah, he he was one of the the few guys who transitioned from another game who stuck around for a long time. I think too. So, mm-hmm. but but still, regardless of that, like 
making the switch over to coaching, like if he likes it more, all I'm all for it. Good for Neptuno. Whatever, whatever you enjoy most is think, uh, the important thing. Do you think? I guess the question is, who do you think Paris brings in? Like, this is a it's a decent time for this to happen, just because they have two more weeks until they play again. But you really got to wonder who they bring onto the team, since it's not like they can really imp- they're not going to be able to import anybody from either Korea or from the states. I would imagine. Well, they're playing. I think they're playing in. Aren't they in New Jersey like they were last year? No, I think they're in Europe. Are they really know. in Europe? I I don't know where no, they are. No, they're probably Jersey, I think, right? Yeah, Maybe, I, think I think they were right. a team that was playing in Jersey. I don't know if that's the case this year or not. Um, If it is, then you probably look NA for somebody. I don't know. They could look they could look to Europe. They could pull somebody off of like YAB or something like that. Um, I don't know who. Do you think Cruz maybe gets the spot again? (laughs) He's out there, but is he Cruz? Is he the best support that's out there? I don't know. Somebody I saw on Twitter, people were being like, this is the soon. No, it was. There was the jokes that there was soon was going to learn how to play main support and to get on the team. Or that this is the Avast redemption arc four years in the making. That Avast is finally making his return to the Overwatch League stage. That, that is not happening. I mean, I think even Avast himself will tell you that that is just, like anybody who thinks that is very, very dumb. Oh, people were joking about it. But yeah. like speaking of which, Envy also parted ways with both Avast and Jane on their content creation front. Um, I, I think that was just their contract ended more than anything else. I don't think it was a like, you know, they they decided now was the time. I think it was just that their contracts up and they're just not going to continue. Yeah, I think so. Which um, they 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 weren't getting great. Like they had decent numbers, but they weren't doing any crazy numbers or anything. So, well, like I think. They p- contested the show that they did together had its fans. Um, it's a pretty fun uh, Overwatch League show. Um, I've, I'm not super plugged into Jane's content right now. I know he's kind of gone back and forth as far as how much he's doing with Overwatch. Avast, as far as like the content creators are, that are not like officially affiliated with the league, like Avast is kind of the biggest guy. Well, I would say. And he like you think about last year, he was on the desk a bunch of times, like. I honestly thought and that Danny's spot was going to be a vast from what we've heard. Well, no, from what he has said, he has been offered um, a spot similar to that, but he would rather continue to do the continue to do the companion stream so that he yeah. doesn't have any sort of filter or censorship. Yeah, I, so. I, I get why he wouldn't take it. But like that was always the place that made the most sense. And he probably makes so much good money doing the co-stream. Like, why does he need to? Why does he need to have those restrictions if if monetarily it doesn't make sense? Like if it's yeah. not any extra money or not enough extra money, I wouldn't do it if I were him either. And I'm okay. Like the what Danny has brought to the desk is is like a chaotic energy that I wasn't expecting. So it's been interesting for sure. And I, I, I do enjoy the fact that they've sort of been playing that up too, with like the like the Pringles commercial stuff and all that. Like they're they're playing in to what the desk is, which I think is something that's a little bit nice to see. Man, I am so happy to have Danny back. And it feels like they've, we've talked, I think with, I think I might've been tormented by gnomes or it might've, no, it was boop in an interview that we did with him. 
where like they're starting to get back on the train of like knowing what their humor is and like knowing that it's okay to be goofy and silly and fun. Mm-hmm. That like it doesn't have to be this super serious like very stern esports show. Right. You don't need to have three people who are just you know exactly how rush composition is going to be run and what needs to happen. Like that's like if that was the case, Danny wouldn't be on the desk, right? Like mm-hmm. that suggests Plus, the truth. But but Danny has brought something, I think, that a bit of levity to the desk that maybe wasn't there. So that's been really, really nice. Also, it's really good since he's back, they actually can do interviews with the Korean players, which right is away. really nice. Yes. And then he's been like a whole year not hearing from Korean players at all. Yeah. That that was um that was something that was definitely nice to have too. I, I was definitely I'm happy that we get to get to hear from a lot of the players who are some of the biggest names in the game. So the fact that we at least get that in some way again is super nice. Um, The big news story, though, this week, uh, which has been a little bit dicey um, earlier this week, um, staff members from Shanghai Dragons, Guangzhou Charge, Chengdu Hunters and Hangzhou Spark um, all put messages up on Weibo which is um, the Chinese equivalent of Twitter or Facebook from what I remember, um, pretty much saying that they were going to boycott all activities involving uh, Sabiobi because of some political comments about China he made on stream. Um, and uh, my, the source that we're using for this is a really good article from our friend, uh, our friend Liz Richardson over at dot esports. She does really great work. Go check it out. But um so they all posted in unison, like the same message, pretty much saying that they were going to be boycotting all activities involving Sabiolbi, um, whether it's games, scrimmages, exhibition matches. So wait, it's a, so these activities included scrimmages, exhibition matches, and league content like commercials that they just were going to refuse to participate. Um, this comes from Sabiolbi a couple of weeks ago. He made comments on his stream about um. He made comments on a stream about freedom of speech in China. Uh, I think specifically he uh, kind of criticized the one China policy, which is um, if you remember from like the Blitzchung stuff in 2019, it's uh, the policy that Taiwan and Hong Kong are, uh, quote, inalienable, inalienable parts of China and not independent countries. Um, and then there was a quote that he said where, well, not a quote that he said. He also inferred, he also said like that he was talking with his managers and they told him like, if you wanted to earn Chinese money, you have to become a Chinese dog, which the like stuff has like stuff really rapidly escalated from there. Um, yeah. Just over the course of the week, like that came out Monday, I think. It, it was it was pretty quickly the, the escalation of when everything happened. I don't know. I don't know the timeline off the top of my head, but it, it was a, a pretty fast moving thing where Save you'll be said what he said. And then the teams then came out with their different public statements and stuff. It, it, the, the, the statements themselves too, were kind of, they were kind of all over the place too, at first, like, cause the, what originally it, there was like a couple of the people in management for some of the teams made comment on the, on everything first before, like the teams themselves were like, we're, we're not going to, to work with the soul dynasty because of what or not soul specifically, but say you'll be, um, because of what he had said and it was just it it all happened really fast and then we were kind of like okay well what's gonna happen as a result and then a few days later we find out what actually happens and then everything was able to be worked out well so 
he said those things a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and then after that incident, so pretty much I think how those of us in the Western community found out about it was because he posted an apology to Instagram about it. Um, and then a couple weeks later, managed, like that's when you start seeing statements from uh, the teams that like his apology was not sufficient. Um, yeah. They pulled the players should not mix politics and sports um, line as well. Um, and you might be wondering as well, like, okay, so like they could still play games, but there's like whatever, like they can't scrim, like they can't do commercials, like that's not a big deal. Um, the issue is that if you're the Soul Dynasty and there's no other teams in Asia that are going to scrim you, you have no one to practice with. Yeah, you're 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 in a really terrible spot. Um, it, it was just there was a lot of pressure on on Soul to do something, on Sabiolbi to do something, because then they're in a bad position. But league wise, there was still something that needed to be done too, because like you can't have this happening in your league. You can't have teams boycotting another team because of something a player did on that team. So I I don't think there's any doubt, especially with the 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 statements made by the teams after the apology and then after a little bit of time after that apology came through that clearly the league must have stepped in in some way because literally their letterhead was the same. It sounded like, yeah, no, no, no. The letterhead was the same for every team. Oh. The statement was exactly the same. So yes. if that doesn't say league involvement, then I don't know what does. No, I a hundred percent agree. I think it said, I don't remember who we heard from. It said there was like that. The league actually got involved. Um, I, I think that's just pretty obvious from the fact that like it was almost a league looking oh. like, like it was like a league, um, like the league, league forward the state teams and then they used it almost. The league did put out a statement. Uh, the Overwatch League is a global community, one made stronger by the diverse backgrounds and perspectives of our players and fans. The spokesperson said we have discussed this matter with all teams involved and the learnings that have come from it. In the spirit of sportsmanship and continuing to deliver amazing competition for our fans around the world, the teams have agreed to resume normal activities with one another. Um, and then, so that was the statement from the league. Uh, the statement from the teams, like you said, it's the same image from all four, from the Hangzhou Spark, Chengdu Hunters, Guangzhou Charge, and Shanghai Dragons. Um, their statement just says our team is very concerned about the voices from our community and among our fans. And we respect the many emotions that have risen due to the team's viewpoints previously expressed though. The active involvement of the overwatch league and with collaboration from the teams involved, we recently have many rounds of discussion and have finally reached an agreement on this incident. Meanwhile, all teams have agreed that providing the best competitive matches for our fans around the world is the number one priority. We will resume normal activities with each other based on mutual respect and unity. And we look forward to making our fans proud in the upcoming tournaments. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, the, the, they all have that that's uh, that a statement similarly worded to that one, too, I think, from all of the Chinese teams. The only team that had a different statement was the Seoul Dynasty. Mm -hmm. And this only happened three days ago. And theirs is our team cares deeply about our fans and our community. We respect there are many emotions as a result of the recent issues. Kind of sounding similar, though, to what you just read, correct? Mm -hmm. In the spirit of fostering healing, better understanding of one another and delivering great competition for our fans around the world, all teams will be resuming normal activities and we look forward to making you proud in our next match. Thank you. So that's that's similar to what like the other teams put out, like in Chengdu, I think Chengdu's red. 
Chengdu and, and all the Chinese teams, theirs were exactly the same. Um, and I think that's, this actually might be the same as souls because theirs is our team is very concerned about the voices from our community and among our fans. We respect the many emotions that have risen to the team's viewpoints previously. That's the same one as Hangzhou and Shanghai. Yeah. Yeah, This is, this is all the same as that. It's similar to souls. I think souls was a little bit different. Well, and people try to make, so you saw a community reaction. Um, for one, the league handled it, whatever they did. Uh, we don't, we aren't, we're not going to know the full specifics of this for a very long time, if ever. No. From what we can see on the surface, the league has handled this the right way and done the right thing. Uh, I know you and I were talking earlier this week. I was a little bit doubtful that the league was going to actually do the correct thing here. Well, um, you go. Right. We, we didn't know what the league was going to do. We didn't know if there was going to be some sort of suspension or something or whatever. Um, because of like you had mentioned earlier, you mentioned um, the Blitzchung thing. Um, I don't because I don't think it's right to call it an incident because the person was was expressing their thoughts. Right. Mm. Um, I don't know what you what what it should be called. Um, the Blitzchung statement, whatever you want to call it, what he did and how Blizzard handled it, people didn't like. This still Blizzard. How are they going to handle this? A little bit different of a situation because it wasn't a Save Yulby wasn't really making a political statement like Blitzchung was. No, he was just off the cuff talking about it. Yeah, he it was talking. Like. He was talking about like things you had to deal with. And there were some things that that could be taken as being insensitive with what he was saying. If you're somebody uh, who has the thoughts opposite of what he was saying, I, I don't know the thoughts. Not that I don't know the thoughts, but I don't know enough to to accurately describe what he did wrong. So it's one of those things where it's like he had his what he said that you had to do. People didn't like it. Clearly, that's why you had a lot of people upset. And there were I think one thing that people don't understand is there were people upset with what Sabiolby said that weren't part of the teams as mm-hmm. well. Like that is something that's true. And um, you go. go. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think it might have been Gautam Chun. I don't know how far back in her tweets it is, but people who are more connected made a very good point of like, look, the people who know the most about this aren't going to be able to express freely like what is actually everything that's going on about the details of this. Our perspective of it is going to be severely, severely biased. And you saw people's reactions about that, specifically in Twitter and Twitch chat. You saw a bunch of people come out with the hashtag. I stand with SBB. I stand with SBB mm-hmm. thing. And I don't know. This might be my own bias here, but it felt much more like, a, all right, it's time to punch at people rather than like making a specific point about anything. Which is the problem, right? Like. Sabiolbi has like valid things that he was trying to say. Did he say it in the best way possible? And and the one of the, the problems I think um with what he was doing was the the platform he was doing it on was a Chinese platform too. Yeah. Right? Like like that that's why you have to look at a lot of this. Like w- he was talking on the Chinese platform specifically with which it's like okay, Maybe there's a little bit more involved in this than than meets the eye, which might have been the case. It's hard to say either way. But the fact of the matter is people reacted poorly to it from the management side. Are there other pressures, too? Maybe there are. Maybe there aren't. We don't know. The fact is, is them not playing against each other been really bad or anything involving Sabiolbi. 
as far as from a league standpoint, right? How is mm-hmm. the league going to handle this? This is maybe the best we've seen them handle something like this from the league. I think we and can give them credit for that, for, for this sort of a situation. Yes, I agree. Because there's um, no suspensions. Teams are now magically going to be scrimming against each other again. Like, whatever happened behind closed doors worked. Another thing, too, that I want to mention is that we had Watchpoint Pride this week where they highlighted different members of the Overwatch community and I think us staff that are LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. And it's you, YouTube chat and Twitch chat for Overwatch League are both like cesspools like back when they've both been active but like it's so stupid to me to see people like going in youtube chat and be like they're like so i again i agree with the sentiment of like that hashtag i stand with svb i totally agree with that and then people going into youtube chat like oh why do we need this like watch my pride gross this is stupid like people com- like criticizing and complaining and whining the whole time saying and like and making fun of it like it's it's very irritating, but I like, and I, I, I understand those are not the same identical people all the time. I definitely understand that. It's just the double-edged like hypocrisy of just like the Overwatch you like the Overwatch chat audience. And granted, I don't open chat like ever. I don't know anybody who actually actively watches the chat for YouTube for Overwatch League. Right. But like the statements from a lot of people, like from a lot of like casual people in the community, kind of ring hollow when you look at their response to that versus like their response to Washpoint pride stuff and i mean like people in twitch chat are like casual like twitter trolls rather than actual people who are affiliated with the league or people who actively right. follow the league right there there's there's always going to be those sort of people so and, and i think that's a good example like there something like that people don't handle well and and weibo there's a lot of stuff that happened on Weibo with all the statements and stuff that happened. So it, it's one of those things where it's like you you commend Sabe Yulby for for not being afraid to say what he what he was thinking about those things, but at the same time, it's like how how do you handle something like that when it happens, right? Mm-hmm. How does the league handle it? How do all the teams handle it? And eventually, there came to be resolution, reconciliation, whatever it ended up being between all the teams so Mm -hmm. we get to a point where it ends up being just sort of something that we'll probably talk about years from now and it might be something we talk about a lot sooner because like okay we know that games are going to be returning to china at some point this year right like that is a thing that we know who's going to be going you think about Sabiel being in front of a live audience now. Now there's complications of that. Well, here's what i'm uh, before we get to a live audience here's what i'm talking about okay is Sabe you'll be even going to be able to compete in front of a live audience? Mm-hmm. Are they going to even allow him into the country? Because if you've been on Twitter before and you know people who have said things against China, some of those people can't get into China now because mm-hmm. they have there's literal records that they'll keep saying, hey, you said this, you are not allowed in. They could deny, and this is now completely separate from the league, right? Because now this is the government getting involved. Mm, good that, point. That is something that we should be on the lookout for if Seoul ends up going to play in China. The Sabe will be get denied because that will become a news story in the future. If that's the case, right? Like if that's, if the government, like that, that is something separate from anything a team has said, anything that anybody else is said involved with the league if the government of china decides to not let you in you're not getting it 
Mm-hmm. So that is something that in the future we we might be dealing with with Sabiolbi. That's possible. That's so, a really really good catch. I hadn't thought of that at all. Th- this is something that is maybe not necessarily over, or maybe it is. Maybe maybe the league has done enough in the back end that we don't know about where this is something we won't ever talk about again. That's possible. I don't think so. That's me personally, but who knows? We we don't know how the we don't know how the league has really gone about resolving this between all the parties involved. Well, we'll have to see how it goes on. But Labasco, I think it's time to get into our highlight stories of the week or highlight games rather. Uh you want to go first or should we go with um we'll go we should go with mine first, I think, just because it was the first game out of the two. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, we're going to go into our first highlight game of the week. Uh, the May Melee first game of the bracket, Shanghai Dragons versus the Florida Mayhem. The Mayhem and the Dragons clashed in the first match of the May Melee. Shanghai came into the game hot after an upset win over the Fusion, while the Mayhem looked quite strong after soundly beating both Toronto and Washington. Fans and analysts struggled to predict a winner. Ilios saw the Dragons shut out the mayhem on both points. Despite a heroic performance from Yaki on the Echo, Florida was simply overwhelmed by Fleta and Lip on Echo and Tracer. Things were a little bit more even on Hanamura, where both teams fought to a draw on point B. Mayhem held firm on King's Row. They held Shanghai to one point with a solid .2 defense. It seemed like they would repeat the same result on Watchpoint Gibraltar, but a critical ult timing mistake gave the Dragons the foothold they needed to hold strong and win the map. Florida seemed to grab the momentum of the match on Oasis. The Mayhem supports and tanks consistently outplayed their counterparts on the Dragons. Now with the momentum in their favor, the Mayhem looked to take the series with map 6 on Dorado. On the final map, the Dragons seemed to finally reach their peak form, pushing the cart all the way through point 3 with a minute to spare. Florida's push seemed to be going even better until Lee J. Gong as Mercy managed to outduel Yaki, killing him and resurrecting Lip on the Ash. This one elimination completely swung the team fight and forced the Mayhem to secure point two in overtime. The Mayhem fought hard but just couldn't get the cart to point three, even with some incredible last-minute heroics from Yaki. Shanghai's endurance proved to just be too strong. Mayhem was sent down to the loser's bracket, where they would battle their way into another match with the Dragons later on in the tournament. Okay, so if you watched this live, you know that the main thing people took away from this game is that it went on forever. This was six maps, a long six maps at that. But geez, this was a super good game to watch. A very good game. Um, Florida looked really good at points. Mm-hmm. I think Shanghai or looked really good at points too. This is a... This is, I think, the most back and forth series we had all tournament long. And it was really kind of on a a nice edge, too. Like, you didn't know who was going to be able to come out on top because, like, the first map, you think, okay, 
Shanghai is going to dominate because they kind of two zero and they two all pretty well from yeah. if memory serves. But mm-hmm. from there on, it was anything but that. Well, because they draw like um, both teams draw uh, Hanamura. Like they both take a first point pretty easy, and then they just both draw a second point. Mayhem takes King's Row. Um, they hold them by uh, point number two, and then. I think where you start to see like it get crazy back and forth is because it goes like they take King's row. You go to Gibraltar, Florida holds Shanghai before first point. They don't even get through the door and then Shanghai turns around and then they hold them even closer. That was crazy to me because that's something that we've seen. And Mm -hmm. we gave, we sung Liz's praises here already on this show, but now I'm going to go the opposite way and be critical of something she said, because um, this was like people didn't think this was a good game. I don't understand how like the defenses that both teams were putting on on maps is super impressive. We're talking about Watchpoint Gibraltar, right? Like, sure. Yes. We see some teams sometimes get stopped at that first door. But still, like it is not as calm. It is completing watch point Gibraltar is something that's more often to happen than not. Right. Like full holds don't happen there all the time. They can, but like we saw good play from both of these teams. I think it's just that people don't understand the style right now and like what's most important. And maybe that's, what's leading to some of the confusion and everything. But these were some really good games. Lip is a freak of nature on the like lip was crazy this whole series on the ash and on this tracer. Um, you saw him throughout the whole weekend. His Sombra is really good, but his EMP timings kind of vary. They go back and forth to build on what you said, Lobo. I think what's crazy about this is that it wasn't like it was teams failing to execute that made them get stopped. It was that the defenses were executing so much. There was a lot of good execution, I thought, all week. I thought that the the play was pretty clean. Like, there's always going to be parts that are sloppy. But I thought I thought that there was clear plans from what teams were trying to do with different compositions. And teams just had better answers at other times than not. So How- I, I, I really was a little bit surprised to see that people felt that way about this game. Because when I was watching it live, I didn't feel that way. I think people were also grumpy that they had to stay up late. Um, <laughs> question for you before we talk about the game winner play. Uh, what do you think as far as the fate OG, the fate OGE map matchup? Excuse me. What do you think about the fate OG matchup for this game? They get to spar a couple times over the weekend, but you have fate coming in against his old team. You have OG kind of still on that redemption arc a little bit. I don't think they were the stories. Like I bought, thought they both played fine. I don't think either of them are necessarily the big focal points of their team. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think um, they were both good. I just don't think they were the difference makers for their teams, I guess is the better way to put it. Um, I thought that they both played pretty well. I, I, I didn't really I didn't feel like OGE or or fate were necessarily the reason why their teams would lose or win big time at points. Like, sure, like sometimes they could out influence of games but i thought the stories for this tournament in particular is more about some of the dps players um specifically i thought lip for shanghai i thought yaki and bqb as well for them when when they were playing games for florida uh were some of the big things that made differences so i wasn't um 
as far as maybe how some other people were, those weren't what um, the my focus was necessarily. And then I think the game winning play is Shanghai is playing against Mayhem on Dorado. Shanghai gets all three points. Mayhem are coming in on strong to get point two. And then they're down a couple players. Well, sorry. Shanghai is down a couple players. Yaki tries to get the tracer elimination on Lee Jagon, who's in Valkyrie mode. Um, and Lee Jagon outduels him, kills him, and then gets the res on Lip, who immediately throws Bob onto the point. And it doesn't like completely swings a team fight for long enough to push the mayhem into overtime when they had like a one minute buffer before. And am I like to me that wins the game? You go from it puts so much more pressure on them when they go into point three, they're in overtime almost the entire time. It definitely made a big difference. Like that was a momentum swinging play, like especially too, because you, you have some people who think like Mercy's not really in a good spot, but here we see that she. She's been super important for a lot of how teams play. I think maybe you give Shang Doof at the credit for sort of being like, hey, Mercy is pretty playable, especially in certain situations, because both teams are playing with the Mercy, especially with the Ash, um, boosting her to to make her have a little bit more punch. So it was to me that 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 was a crazy play because you think Yaki wins it. I mean, Yaki's face, too. Oh, yeah, I think he's like the the face of the week, right? Like, like, cause he, he is in, he is in utter disbelief because he thinks he's about to win that matchup. And then all of a sudden he's dead to Lee Jae Kong. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I do think that that probably is the biggest play that makes the difference. Cause like you said, that at that point they had a minute 42 on the clock and they're coming around towards the end. And it's also a fight where it looks like Florida win- is winning. So yeah, that's the biggest part about it too, is like that flips everything on its head. And then wins the game for Shanghai, like pretty much. So it, it was a, a huge, huge play. And it's cool to see. It's like you never know where where the big play is going to come from. And then I think it's time for us to go on to our second highlight match of the week. Uh, the other opening match of the winner bracket, Dallas Fuel versus Chengdu Hunters. The Dallas Fuel versus the Chengdu Hunters. This match looked to be even more chaotic than the last. Both Dallas and Chengdu have been known to run some unorthodox team compositions, especially Dallas's recent anti-hit scan style. Many wondered how the two teams would compare once they faced each other for the first time. The entire match was extremely close, with both teams trading off point control and map wins. Nepal went back and forth with each squad taking a point before Dallas took the win on Sanctum. Sparkle's echo play was the key component of Dallas's excellent attack run on Anubis. Combined with Fearless's expertly planned dives on key players, Chengdu barely had room to breathe. The Hunters looked to be fighting back strong on their own attack run, but the fuel was able to stabilize and hold on point two. They even overcame Chengdu's four-minute time bank to hold strong and prevent the capture. Chengdu fought back tough on Blizzard World, holding the fuel at first point. Leaves Hanzo play took over the map. Even when the fuel put out their recently successful Symmetra strategy, Chengdu were ready for it. On their own attack run, the hunters pushed the fuel off point one easily, 
giving them the map win. The match came down to Watchpoint Gibraltar, which was also super close. Gaga's incredible Winston play pushed Chengdu through their attack run. His aggressive dives kept isolating and eliminating Fielder and Jexe, which put Dallas at a consistent disadvantage. Dallas responded similarly, this time off the back of some incredible tank play from Fearless and Hanbin. When it came time for round two, the Hunters looked to secure the win with an awesome point one defense. However, some key sleep darts from Fielder and a huge EMP from Doha stopped the Hunters in their tracks. So this one is a little bit more straight and narrow, I would, I would say. Um, Dallas looks really good this whole matchup. Chengdu gets their shots in. Dallas takes... Uh, they take Nepal, they take Temple of Anubis, and then Chengdu hold firm on Blizzard World uh, before Dallas takes Matt Watchpoint Gibraltar. The story for this game to me seemed a lot of just Doha being great and Fearless also. Like, I don't know. It's hard to even limit it to that. Dallas just played on such a high level this whole weekend. Everybody played really well. And Dallas, as far as compositions, that's the biggest question, right? Is like, how are they going to deal with not having hit scan? And they had different answers on different maps. Like you, you think about them on Sanctum. They they're doing the 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 tracer and the Sombra with just the 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 Moira and the the Lucia. Like nobody's really playing Moira. I I don't know what her play percentage is, but I know it's really low. So mm-hmm. like they 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 played things that people maybe weren't expecting, or 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 compositions that people maybe don't have as much belief in as Dallas does. And they were always able to make it work, win maps. And I wouldn't say they looked dominant against Chengdu because mm-hmm. I thought because Chengdu was able to keep every map really close, right? Like it's a two to one on Nepal. It's a, I, I think two to what, one on Anubis as well. Right. Anubis is, is kind of close. Um, Dallas on um, Blizzard World can't do anything. Like that was the bit the honestly, like I, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if after Blizzard World people thought that maybe Dallas could lose the series because Chengdu obliterated them on that map. Like yes. they they had that symmetric composition that they had been running prior to this for Dallas, and Chengdu was ready for it, handled it, and then Dallas looked like a chicken with its head cut off after that, didn't know what they should have done from that point forward. Um they sort of maybe figured it out a little too late. But that was, I think, the most telling thing from the series was like, wow, Chengdu has this figured out on this map, but they couldn't replicate it onto other maps. And then you saw in Gibraltar, Chengdu finishes the whole map. Um, Dallas is just able to hold them to first point when they go for the second round. Um, I think someone made a point, too, that... <laughs> Poor Gaga. Uh, Doha gets this EMP at the end of the game that gets a ton of people, wins in the fight. And uh, Gaga was prepared for Heath, but he's on the ledge, um, the down the ledge from high ground on Gibraltar that goes downstairs into that little um, health pack room. He's on that ledge, and when he hits the bubble to try and cover himself from the EMP, he's right over like the gap between where the stairs start and where the wall is. So he drops it underneath him, and it goes underneath, and the EMP still gets him. I think the that what's crazy about that is like Chengdu looks poised to send it to map five two at this point as well, right? Because they they have a bunch of stuff that they they're going to be able to take this series over and win watch point because 
they actually had the better time going into the second um the second part of trying to or the second push of Watchpoint Gibraltar, right? Like only a minute for Dallas. They don't even get to through the doors. And then Chengdu's got like two and a half minutes. So you're like, oh, Chengdu's come back with a storm. And then like Dallas just pulls it out like mm-hmm. that. That was a crazy map to me. But you're right. Like it's another crazy play that really swings the momentum over to Dallas and makes it where like Chengdu can't do it because it, if if Dallas doesn't hit that ultimate. If Doha doesn't make the difference. Chengdu probably wins that map like that's mm-hmm. a game winning play. And eventually, probably a championship winning play. Uh, going into the first game of the losers bracket, Florida Mayhem versus Chengdu Hunters. Uh, Florida looking really so. Again, the both teams look good. Like none of these games this weekend were a stomp. Um, Florida, I think, is able just to edge it out. I think we're seeing that Blizzard World is like the comfort pick for Chengdu Hunters. They know that map backwards and forwards. Hmm. Yeah, because they keep winning it, which yeah. I think didn't they used to have like a really bad record or something on that map, too? Like, I wasn't so. that a map that they used to be really bad at? And now all of a sudden they're like super good at it uh, with the new iteration. Oh, man, it's like Houston with freaking Route 66. I can't take it. <laughs> well, I, I feel like the new the new version of of um, of Houston should have no problems with Route 66 whenever they have to play on it. Um. Uh, I don't know when that's going to be, but I don't think they'll have the same problems. Any notes on this match before we go forward in the bracket? Um, for the the Chengdu versus um Florida match. No, that was um, I, I I think the most disappointing part about this was that Chengdu, like, sure it wasn't a super um like heavy favored map for Florida, but I thought I, I did expect a little bit more from Chengdu. So that was, I think a little bit of a disappointment for me, but other than that, I mean, the next game after that, the next two games after that are pretty wild. Quick note about this. I did want to mention, I almost forgot far away. 1987 is uh, splitting some more time with monk. I think as the season goes on, I don't know how it's going to shake up for the next round of games, but we did see him on both blizzard world and Volskaya. Jimmy has actually looked really good on the hit scan so far. Um, definitely a guy who's developing. And we got to see Among on Blizzard World getting the back cap with the wrecking wall, That's which right. I think if there's any, there's not a more Among moment than that, I think. Yeah, it, he is like map specific now for sure, though, because like we we're we're clearly seeing that Gaga is just good on every tank. Yeah. Um. I, I'm really curious, though. I feel like. I don't know if 1987 is going to be far away. 1987 is going to be able to break the starting lineup unless his Anna like improves significantly, because it seems like that's that's like the dividing line of why you don't see him. More versus often Monk. versus Monk, because Monk seems to be the better Anna player, or at least that's the belief that they seem to have. For Chengdu. And that seems to be the difference, right? Because like we know who's the better Zen between the two. And that's not to say Monk is a bad Zen either. I want to I want to preface that. But it's clear who the better one is. And that's far away 1987. So I think that they believe that Monk just gives them more overall. With um, other anything that's not Zen. 
Moving on to the next winner's bracket game, Dallas Fuel versus Shanghai Dragons Part 1. This is another just knockdown drag out of a game. Dallas looking, I think Dallas continues to catch heat. Like they they build momentum this week, this weekend. They go out 2-0 on Ilios, looking very strong. Again, they draw Anubis. <laughs> uh, because of course. Well, um, to me, the, the big key here, like as we're like watching this and, and we talk about okay, what does Shanghai want to do? What does Dallas want to do? Dallas wants to play specific types of maps. Dallas goes to maps that work best for them and where they can play more dive centric or, or things where you don't have to rely on the hit scan as much. Or if you're using yes. hit scan, it's not the same. So like them winning control points first is such a boon because they get that last map pick as long as they continue to win maps. Right. So even if they lose a map and it comes down to the wire and they lose a map, they're usually the team that gets the last opportunity to pick a map. So controlling their destiny by controlling the, the, the map type that you see the most is huge. It definitely seemed as well that Doha, like Doha and Fearless and Hanbin, I don't know, man, this team has too many good players, but like you saw several times in fights on different maps where they would be almost out of it. They would be about to lose a fight and then Hanbin would sneak in a diva bomb Doha would pop off with a big EMP. Like this team has gotten so good at holding tough during fights and being able to fight back. They they know they clearly practice like end game situations a lot too because they always seem to know what they need to do when it's like tight at the end and you don't have much time. They they definitely appear to be well coached for sure. But this story, I mean, it's funny because like Lip in this series in particular was so darn strong and played so well. Like it, it's weird to think that like Fleta of all people was kind of overshadowed by the guy he's teamed up with. Lip 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 was a roll star last year, but it really feels like he's coming into his own this year. Mm-hmm. Even more, which is weird to think that it's like, oh yeah, he was already a player who was considered one of the best players in the league. And yet this year he's like taking another step. Lip That's is crazy. Kind of- he was kind of just a freak all freaking weekend. That guy was ridiculous. Shanghai Dragons versus Florida Mayhem. Uh, I think, unfortunately, and so I, correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong here. The games went. Was it Florida Mayhem versus Chengdu Hunters? Then Dallas Fuel. No, versus so Dallas versus Shanghai was first. Then it was. Um, then Florida had to play twice in a row. So because you you needed to um you you get the better break for being the team that does better. So you get the break before your next match if you lose. And then the team that's in in the the lower lower bracket already has to play two in a row if they win the the one. So the the argument of like, oh, Florida like what I hate here whenever these matches happen is there's always like the the crutch argument that can be made for a team is like, oh, they just had to play a match and now they have to play another one right away. Or, oh, this team um, had such a break now in between, so they, they're not going to play as well because they're not as warm as the team that had just played. Like, there's always those narratives that can be used. And I, I, I don't think any of that was the case because like Florida didn't have too hard of a time with Chengdu. 
they didn't have like it wasn't a super um it wasn't like a super difficult game or super long so i will say i think this was just shanghai had leveled up over the weekend i think it's both i think shanghai definitely has leveled up um you saw even for i think swing chip the uh team manager for florida even said like if like we were frustrated like not frustrated but like we really felt like if we could have rest, if we could have had like 30 minutes to eat and like get back in, we would have done well. But like at the end of the day, we still lose. Like, but again, I, why, I agree with you. Why are you in that point? Right. Like if you win your game. Before that, then you don't have to deal with that. That is the that is the cost of losing in a double elimination bracket. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to deal with having the worst schedule. It's as simple as that. It sucks. But somebody, the team that you are, should we have penalized the team that won and had them have to play two games oh, in no. a row? You know what I mean? No. So I'm not, I'm coming from the angle. Like, I'm not saying like it should be changed or that it should be different. I'm just, I am just repeating back what was said, but I agree with you. Like, no, like that's the price you pay for being, for being in losers yeah. bracket. It, it, it's, it sucks, but that's the price you have to pay. They uh, looked again. I think they did look a little gassed, but it, like. That's not an excuse. It's just not. And and it's like you still have, they it's not like they jumped immediately into the game either. Like there was some time between the games. Like you have the post game stuff that happens and then you have you do have some time like I think if if you're a team like Florida, maybe this is a learning experiment or experience, not experiment. Experience where it's like, okay, we know we have this much time if we're ever in this situation again. We should be prepared with food, whatever, to get these guys into a situation where where we where this isn't a hindrance to us. Um I will say as well, what's a that um Swing Chip posted a whole series um that was detailing the com- like the um the coaching pep talk that Kuki gave his team after they lost. That was really, really great. And it was them talking about how, like, look, it's okay. It had like we won. I said we didn't win. It we weren't good enough. We lost. It sucks. But we're not there yet. I don't think we're ready to get I don't think we're at the truly elite, elite level yet. And we're gonna get there. And then talking to the team about like, all right, like what do we need? Like, what can we fix to make sure next time when we get there? Like, how can we improve? Like, we're gonna make it. It's okay. We're gonna do it. Like they have the talent. I think that's yeah. a, that's like the best approach to have to it is like, don't you don't create. Um, I'm trying to think of the right word for it, but you don't create artificial excuses for yourself. That that aren't as big of a deal as, OK, how could we have put ourselves in a better position? What did we do wrong? And they're talented enough where that's the way they should be thinking about it anyways, because they I mean, they showed it. They can compete with all of the team. That that wasn't the problem, right? They Shanghai is probably still one of, if not the best team in the world, mm-hmm. right? Like as of right now, you can say Dallas is, but I, I think there's some people with arguments of saying, you know, Dallas might not even be the best team in the West and they might they might be right about that. Um, But you you have a lot more time to figure this out, a lot more time to improve. So. This is one tournament, and the expectation is Florida's going to be in all of these tournaments. So as long as they, they don't get on themselves too much for this, I, I think it'll be fine. But I think Shanghai is a good example of a team that they should be pursuing. Agreed, agreed. And 
Going into our May Melee final game, Shanghai Dragons versus Dallas Fuel. Again, another another awesome back and forth match. Like this one goes the distance all six maps. None of these are these are all super super tight. Well, it wasn't the distance, but it was pretty far. Um, well, yeah, because you have for um for the finals match, you have to do uh, it's the first one to win four. But like right. Dallas takes so seven is usually the the you can actually get eight, you know, it's whatever. <laughs> Dallas wins on the Dallas wins on Lee Jang Tower. Um, Shanghai holds on point one for Anubis. Dallas wins again on King's Row and they win again on Watchpoint Gibraltar before Shanghai takes Ilios like. You really, I think it was very evident of what you said, where you saw Shanghai really trying to stick to play areas where they could play more divey stuff, like maps that didn't rely on long range hit scans. Well, it's funny, though, because like the map that's the decider is a map that Shanghai had picked last time. And I guess Dallas figured something out after they played Shanghai in that previous game because they're like, we're going back to Blizzard World. We're ending it on Blizzard World. And that's the map that ends up winning it for Dallas. And Dallas, what's funny is like Dallas didn't have a good push on their attack. Like, like they get stopped before the end, um, before they even get to see the third point. So you're mm-hmm. like, OK, um, what are they going to be able to do here on their their offense or on their defense? And then they the the that back and forth or sorry, it was the other way around. Sorry, Dallas was attacking. They stopped Shanghai. So you're like, OK, so maybe they did figure something else. And then it really it takes them over time to win the map like that ending was amazing. Like that was so back and forth in such a hard game. That one was fun. And then one of the things I think is so awesome is that. Fearless wins the map off of a, off of a not what, what would you call it off of a drop down Reinhardt shatter off of the bridge. Well. What's funny is like, that's not actually what ends up winning it for them. Like that was the crazy part was like, you think, oh, that's the game. And then it's, it's not over. What are you talking about? That was the crazy part. (laughs) Shanghai was able to stop it, but like fearless made some huge plays. What ends up winning it for them, I think is a Doha EMP that hits like everybody. And then Mm -hmm. Hanbin throws a self-destruct out that clears like minds that were in the way. And then you have the, the patented primal rage from fearless and then sparkle with like a huge pulse bomb kill. They just, they just as a team collectively win the map, but like the, to get them to that point before that you do have the crazy play from fearless. Like you have, you just have him do everything. You have fearless do everything on the main tank and show why like, yeah, maybe Shanghai made a bad decision letting him go. Yeah. I mean, how with the tournament all said and done, Dallas being your main melee champions, how are we feeling about Fearless right now? Just I'm honestly, I am I I think I already joked about it last week. I am already feeling the MVP campaign being put together for this guy. Well, the narrative that the league is putting together, I mean, he he ends up being player of the match for for the main melee. Like the narrative that's being pushed is like, yeah, he's the guy. So I think they, at this they point they keep calling him they keep calling him the uh, the main character. <laughs> they're calling yeah the protagonist the anime protagonist is what they've been calling him. I I think he's a front runner. 
him and Lip. Like, who else would you put in that category right now? I think you could maybe throw Sparkle and Doha in there, too, because I think that they both like I don't think it can be understated what Sparkle has done on Tracer mm-hmm. and against the Tracers that he's played against. Like, we saw how much of a tear Lip went on while playing Tracer, which is funny because it's like, who's the best Tracer on their team? Is it Flutter? Is it Lip? Which is kind of scary. But that but that's the point of like what Sparkle has done. Also, Sparkle playing Soldier 76 and it's working like there there are so many people on this team. Fielder, they finally fully went to Fielder full time, right? Like yes. we did not see him come. Repel didn't play. Repel didn't play all tournament. Right. Fielder has solidified himself as the flex support for this team. And you can see why, why he's so important. So. There's a lot of things that have kind of hit right here for Dallas, and they've figured out like how they work. Their identity, they have figured out, which is really cool. So from that perspective, I think that Dallas is in a really good spot. And you you do have Fearless as maybe the front runner, but I, I, I do think that some of his teammates could be there too. At any rate, it is, even as a Houston fan, I'm excited to say like, I'm I can't help but root for this team. I love watching this team play. They're a good group of guys. They're they're fun. They're funny. Like we've talked about the goofiness of Sparkle before. So how can you not root for that guy? Oh, dude, we were talking before, actually, the before the show that Jexay put up a tweet that uh, he lost his glasses in the sea. And it was just a bunch of answers from Overwatch League players that were just making puns about the ocean the entire time. Like, um, I'm just shaking my head. Dante hitting him with the water you talking about. Um, oh, man, I mean, they're former teammates. He can do that, right? Oh, dumb thing that has nothing to do with this. Did you see um, the Piggy tweet people were making fun of this week? No. What, what did Piggy do? Piggy didn't do anything. They found his his looking for team tweet when he was still on T1, like from two years ago or like yeah. from a year ago. And um, you saw like Dante and a bunch of people were like, oh, damn, like hope you get a spot, dude. Like, oh, man, really hope stuff works out for you, like on that tweet. But like tweeting it like now. Yeah, I, I feel like like Dante is like just spearheading a bunch of goofy stuff on Twitter. And like that, man, he um he dyed his hair and like is like. So this is like a trend with him because like him at space and him had like a back and forth about dyeing their hair in space is like, I'll die mine if you die yours. And it was from like 2017. And now yeah. he dyed his hair and he's like, all right, it's your turn to space. <laughs> so I guess Dante's just having fun looking back at old tweets from people. Um, One piece of news we actually did forget to mention uh, before we wrap up. The Guangzhou Charge announced that they are mutually parting ways with their head coach, Arachne, and assistant coach, Damon. Uh, on one hand, it's not surprising considering we're already a quarter of the way in. And you could see, like, teams are going to make changes like this, for sure. We saw it happen with Hangzhou a little bit. Um, it is interesting to note, like, you wonder, we always are going to wonder what happened behind the scenes. Clearly, Guangzhou was not playing up to the potential that people, like, would say that they have. Krong, it was an MVP candidate last year, and this year he's like rated as like one of the worst off tanks. Yeah, he's just not he's been non-existent so far. You're not getting things out of players that you're expecting more out of. So like I understand it. It does feel like it's really quick, but like you said, we're technically already 25% done with the regular season and 
you know, with one tournament out of the way. So I guess if you're going to make the the switches, you might as well do it now. Mm-hmm. Does this make it's too it's way too early to call it. But this does this make Arachne the first crusty disciple to not have massive success on his new team? I think it's too early to say. I don't think he got a fair shake. So I think you need to give him a little bit more time. But listen, even if we're looking at trees for for other leagues, like if you look at the Andy Reid tree, he's got a lot of branches, but a lot of those branches haven't done well in the NFL, too. So Mm -hmm. it happens. I mean, you look at the Belichick coaching tree. I think only like two or three of them have ended up being good. Yeah, exactly. All righty, Lobosco. Anything else before we wrap up for the night? No, it was a you know a good main a good start to the season honestly mm-hmm. like the the number the viewership numbers were pretty good it seemed like all throughout the tournament which was nice to see like numbers we hadn't been seeing a- anytime recently so it seems like the league is trending back upward which is a good feeling for for people like you and me who this is what we love this is what we want to do so it, it, i hope that that trend continues as we get into the other tournaments from what I remember seeing, I think that the the stream for May Melee has actually more views that like the seven hour stream for May Melee has more views than the stream for Grand Finals, which is wild to think about because like the Grand Finals were it really sucks if that's the case because the Grand Finals were amazing between San Francisco and and Seoul, but um. That shows you the the interest that people have this year, at the very least. Mm-hmm. All righty, my friends. If you want to help us out, the best thing you can do is to leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice, whether it's iTunes, if you find the special Spotify reviews, anything on there. We really appreciate it. It makes our lives easier because we get to know what you guys like, um, what we can work on. It's a good way to insult my ranked play or just to tell us what you like about the show. We really appreciate it. And we read each new review live out on the show. Yep. And, and of course, a big thank you to our buddy and Blaze and Bob. We were on his um, podcast the other week and mm-hmm. uh, they have stopped, but he's he's part of the network on another cool show. Just wanted to th- shout out Bob again. Uh, For sure. They but, were very good to us as yeah. the last time we were on there. They, uh, Bob's always been good to us. Same thing with Mel. So um, mm-hmm. ups, shout outs to them and I'll recap and all that. So just wanted to say that again. And if you want to see their new show and you want to be part of the community that we have on Discord, go to discord.me slash mash those buttons where you get to keep up to date about their show, uh, which is Warcraft Reloaded, right? I think is what it's called. Yes. Yeah. So you can go on there if you're a big fan of classic Warcraft. And of course, you'll hear about a bunch of the other shows that are here on the network as well. So stick around for those and join us for game night. Uh, it was um, we didn't have the normal numbers we have for this last game night, but I think that was just because I had uh, to leave early. Yeah, it was it was only because you had to leave early, Ramsey's that we didn't get everybody. Bro, you guys were still I got back here. It was 11 o'clock my time, 1 a.m. your time, and you guys were still going. So yeah. it's we, we were playing like quick play and then we played some ranked and stuff. So like if we don't get the numbers, we'll we'll do stuff like that. So definitely come out. We normally have enough to do some pickup games, which are a lot of fun. So join us for pugs. You'll, you'll enjoy yourself. Skill rank doesn't matter. We don't care. We're all about having fun and me getting mad at Ramsey's or whatever and just being overly competitive anyways. But that's just mm-hmm. me being stupid. But 
If you want to support the network, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash smash those buttons for as little as a dollar a month. You get access to Patreon exclusive content. There's always a bunch of cool stuff up there. Um, I know there's going to be some new series and some new stuff starting as well. So be sure to check that out. If that's something that interests you, this network is awesome. So you really should. There's so much stuff on the network as far as other games. So please, please, please support it if you can. At Pushpoint POD is our Twitter for the show where you can keep up to date with us and everything there. So be sure to check that out as well. Or email us, pushthepoint at gmail.com. You can send us an email with whatever you might have. So check that out too. For sure, for sure. If you want to get in touch with Labosco, where can they find you? At Labosco is where you do that. That's my Twitter. That's where I tweet about everything, whatever. I don't even... My Twitter's weird. I, I, I have different like things that I'm doing on there all the time. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Ramsey's underscore OW. And that's going to be it for us over here on Push the Point. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. We appreciate you. And as always, we just want to remind you to stay safe. Take care of yourself. Um, we will be we'll be back next week, even though Owl is going to be on break for two weeks. We will find whether it's a good friend of ours, a harangue on the podcast or We'll do something. We'll we'll be around. We'll, we'll be have here games to preview too. So you know we'll have have the start of the June um, qualifying games to look at. So be the sure. June journament, as it should be called, the jerk. It is better than June Joust. I will not lie, <laughs> but not by much. All righty, my friends. Have a good one. We will see you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 